healthcare. It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Nearly a two-word review just said, shit sandwich. I will roll the record up to the next man. Welcome back to the basement, fellow music lovers. You are now tuned in to yet another exciting adventure with us here on Chunky Glasses, the podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, as usual. And I'm going to change the name of the podcast this week to uh, Badass, the podcast, because we have a certified badass that we're sitting down to talk with. One, Mr. Miles Mosley. You may have uh, heard our little podcast a couple months ago talking about his fantastic new solo album, Uprising. Uh, Turns out Miles did. And uh, turns out he actually enjoyed it. His team sort of enjoyed it. And uh, so so he found out and sort of interacted a little and... And said, "Hey, we noticed you're coming through and playing at our friend's place, Songbird, in here up here in D.C. Uh, in a few months. Why don't you be uh, sit down and talk?" They said, "Sure." And uh, and it was a little tight. There was traveling involved and stuff. And and uh, and big thanks to like his manager Barbara for like bearing with us and and you know making it work out. You know because times changed, traffic was bad. The point is, we got it done people and uh so before we sat at songbird we sat down with miles uh myself and eduardo so this is a uh, three-person interview and uh talked about his career as a bass player his uh his album uprising obviously uh all the work he's done in the past and uh and a little bit uh, a little bit cosmic a little bit of philosophy in there about uh not just that can be applied to his music and music in general but i think to the world we're living in uh, today, and it was a uh, it was a it was a remarkable conversation for me. I know it sort of blew Eduardo's mind. Uh, it's one of my favorite ones we've done here, and uh, and then we followed it up with an amazing set from him and his band, the West Coast Get Down. So, so that's what we're doing for you this Thursday to round out this week. Uh, we're going to sit down with Miles Mosley, and then if you stick around, uh, we're going to be playing a little track from a guy named Cameron Graves. I'm going to tell you more about him a little later, but he's also in the West Coast Get Down. He plays piano. Uh, he has a uh, new album out called Planetary Prince, and it's smoking. Uh, so so that's everything we're doing today. If that thing seems like your thing, if, you're, if you can jive to that and you can, you can feel the vibrations, then uh, I think it's time we head on down to the basement. Not our basement, in fact, but the basement up at Songbird. Uh, to sit down with uh, with badass number one, Mr. Miles Mosley. Yeah, that good. Yeah. Water. You? One two one two. All right, we good. You guys good? Yeah, everybody's great. good. Yeah, great. Absolutely. It's one of those rare occasions when uh, <laughs> we we talk about somebody's album, and then a few weeks later, a few months later, somebody comes down and actually can tell us why we were wrong about everything we said. <laughs> Mr. Miles Mosley, how you doing, sir? I'm doing very well, thank you. It's, it's really good to be sitting here with you, fellas. Congratulations on Uprising. That is, thank you. Um, I think Eduardo was the one who brought it to my attention. Uh, been a fan of all the stuff you're doing with Kamasi and Kendrick and all that, but he was like, "Did you know?" This has, and actually, I Cam, Cam, I think Cam was too, Cursing <laughs> over at Blue Note, mm-hmm. and uh, 
and he put it on, and I was like, well, shit, this motherfucker <laughs> is, is killing it. And and I got a series of texts and emails for like a week straight, like, are we talking about Miles? Are we talking about Miles? Are we right. talking about Miles? And we did, and because uh, what you've fashioned, I think, here is a um, – it's not even a throwback. Mm-hmm. It's uh, – and I think this is sort of where the conversation might go. Uh, you know, music is just sort of music is music. It, it stays the same. Whether, whether or not we like it, it doesn't go out of style. Mm-hmm. So the stuff I think that you grew up in, this is more reflective of that. When uh, – do you remember when you first, like, looked around and said to yourself, Oh shit! I, I need to I need to make music. Well, I mean, I got to the bass first, and I got to the bass through a pretty uh, lazy, circuitous route. Right. <laughs> right. And I, I picked it up because I, I wanted to learn how to draw comics, and so I took a comic book class. Mm-hmm. But there weren't enough kids interested, so they shut it down. And they're like, oh, "You man. can either go to the orchestra, or you can go to art history." And the whole reason I was going to take the comic book class was because I figured. You, the teacher wouldn't be able to tell whether or not I sucked and was trying really hard right. or wasn't trying at all <laughs> right. and just trying to, you know, get right. through. So either way, you got to get at least a C or a B. Yeah. <laughs> but art history has questions that are right and wrong, and that was not what I was looking for. No, no. I was looking for something to coast through. Yeah. So I went right. to the orchestra, and, and she asked me what instrument I wanted to play, and all the other kids knew, and I didn't. And uh, so she played a little... I asked her to play the yeah. instruments, my options for me, and so she played the... Violin and the viola, and she wasn't a violinist, so yeah. it kind of was squeechy. And and then uh, she played the cello, and she was a cello player. Yeah, and it sounded gorgeous. I was like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what I want to do. Yeah, and she's yeah. like, cool. Well, I'll assign you a cello, and you can take it home and practice and bring it to school with you. And I was like, oh, Miss West was her name. I live in the hood, so I can't really. <laughs> yeah, not, actually. Wasn't that I lived in the hood, but getting to, to where getting to where I had to be, yeah, yeah, I had yeah. to go through a couple of rough neighborhoods. And if I on a bus, and you know, I was going to lose it. So in the corner, I saw the upright bass. I didn't know what it was. I said, "What's that?" She said, "Oh, that's a, that's a double bass." I was like, "Dang, you got to take that home every day." <laughs> she said, "No, no, no, no. If you play the upright bass, it stays here. It stays okay, there. You have yourself one upright bass player." <laughs> well, it's it's funny because I, so I actually grew up in uh, going through an orchestra system. Was this mm-hmm. just where they split the band out from the orchestra? So it was mm-hmm. just strings. Yeah. So I grew up in uh, in uh, in uh, this was in Los Angeles, right? Correct. Yeah. So where I did this was in Lynchburg, Virginia, mm. which we wouldn't expect anything mm-hmm. like that, but we had a great teacher. And it was uh, I, I picked violin, so oh, okay. I ended up being like concertmaster. But mm-hmm. I weirdly didn't fall in love with the violin. My violin mm. right now is sort of sitting in a corner. Right. It needs to be stringed and stuff. Yeah. So, but I mean, when you and the cello, it's funny you mentioned that. Is it is a, it's just beautiful. It's a beautiful instrument. It's, it's but you watching people it, play it. Watch, like, it's just it's gorgeous. What's funny is once I put my hands on the bass yeah the thing about bass is you have to be so high to, to get on that ride in the first place yep. right right <laughs> once i put my hands on it and learned how to play enough to realize that all of humans hear music from the bottom up and if the orchestra was playing this beautiful right. c major chord and i played an a on the bottom it was sad and dark and nobody could do anything about it. <laughs> and I wielded So you're the, saying you're control for I wielded the power. <laughs> yeah. at, at 13, yeah. that's a pretty, that like, is. you awesome can responsibility. talk about playing pranks in class. Yeah. Like, you can, <laughs> you're the most powerful sonic instrument bright, bright and sunny, wow. Bright and sunny and you hit that's, the brown yeah, note. Yeah, exactly. That's all exactly. So I was like, man, I'm not letting that power go. Yeah. yeah I, Did I, you, uh, so, I mean, obviously you stuck with uh, that in orchestra and stuff. When... Did you find yourself because, like symphony, you're going over like the classics. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, and I don't know about 
like when you were in school, but you get some like pop yeah, in there, sure. not really jazz standards, but yeah. some different stuff. Mm-hmm. But when did you start looking at that and be like, hey, I can I can really do this and say, but this this shit over here, this jazz, I, I got. Uh, I was really good very quickly at the hardest parts of the upright bass. So, like strength and dexterity and intonation mm-hmm. came really, really naturally to me, and I I was zoomed past all the kids, and hmm. and I and because of that, uh, I was able to receive tutelage from amazing right. professors really quickly, and and teach and other jazz musicians like John Clayton, Ray Brown, and, right, wow. and so once those guys began to kind of orbit my world. I think I knew I could do it forever, music. By the time I was 16 or 17, oh, wow. I knew, like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I have something that... I, I'm screwed. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. No, no backup plan, no nothing. Yeah. But I started playing jazz because my mom's a huge jazz fan, so is my father. That's why I'm named after Miles Davis. Yeah. But when you're in orchestra at that level or at that age range, the bass section's playing whole notes. I mean, there's nothing mm-hmm. anybody... You know, right. It's just not yeah. very interesting. And when your mom's having her tea party and she wants you to impress her friends, whole notes don't help. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to learn how to play something to make my mom happy. And so I learned all blues. Okay. So I learned yeah, that yeah. bass line yeah, yeah. and I was a hit at parties. And my mom was happy and it justified all my expensive bass lessons. And, yeah. you know... That's awesome. I was able to kind of move... That's how I got into the, the jazz realm was... For the love of a mother. Yeah. No, that's that's <laughs> just 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 starting off with Paul Chambers. Like yeah, that was just, just like yeah, I'm just yeah, gonna down this. Get this. I, I mean, I mean that that type of support I think is essential to anybody. I, I had a conversation with the uh, Lyft driver on the way over here. He was mm-hmm. talking about his brother plays guitar and he's all into this stuff, but he he never really, really felt it. And I said, well, well, why is that? Why, you know, did, is it he didn't find the right instrument? You know, he didn't. He's like, yeah, I just I don't. I don't know. And I said, well, look, man, you, you have your whole life to look around. Mm-hmm. And if someone like you finds it at like 13 or 16, you know, yeah, it's really then lucky. by the time you're what, like mid thirties, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to be a badass. And like, yeah, but that doesn't come. That's, it's not like you just picked up the bass, the doors open. He's like, Oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's, there's, there's still the 10,000 hours, even if you're, oh, yeah, even yeah. if you're still putting in right? the 10,000 hours. And, and at the end of the day, and I tell this to, you know, one of the hardest questions to answer is when they go, what w- advice would you give to your 18-year-old self or something like that? Yeah. And I don't know if it's hard for me to answer because I was so far. I was signed to RCA Records when I was 18, like doing right. sessions with Ron, uh, uh, Ron Fair. And like I was knee-deep in the music yeah. industry at that point. So, But when I re- I'm more reflective of it, I'd say that it you have to r- realize that Music is yours once you, once you appreciate it and once you learn yeah. an instrument and no one can ever take that away from you. And just because you love it and just because it's fulfilling doesn't mean it has to be any more than that. You don't right. need to try to make money from it. Right. Right. You, you may very well. Yeah. 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 But what's important most is that you love it and that you realize that you get it forever. Right, and to whatever degree you and get, and if I, you know, I think that's whether you make it or just appreciate it. Yeah, like it's you. It's the one thing that everybody 
really it means the most to most people, but people interpret it so wildly different sure. than anything. I mean, because you can't go see like Star Wars and be like, I think that was a, a film about like feminism. Like you know, <laughs> you know, you can't do that. But music, you can hear anything sure. in it that you want, and as an individual, that might change over the years. Absolutely, and music serves different purposes, and th- this is actually you know one of the one of the pieces of the conversation you guys were having that mm-hmm. I wanted to jump yeah, in yeah, and yeah. say yeah. it was that music uh, speaking about any pieces of music that are that are equal mm-hmm. they serve different purposes and there's there's some music that is designed to get people to dance and that's it and it doesn't matter mm-hmm. what the words are it doesn't matter about it's just about how do we make this music so that people want to move their bodies mm-hmm. other music is all about the words the chord structure is less important yeah. The quality of the singing is less important. It's all about the words. Some music, it, you know, the purpose is to to provide some sort of intellectual spark based off of how the harmony is moving and to kind of open minds and challenge minds. And so that function of music is, I think, something that people don't necessarily recognize when they're classifying it for themselves. But they'll do it very quickly with a movie or TV, yeah. and they'll go, yeah. "Oh well, oh, yeah, yeah. this is my popcorn stuff," and I, right. I love this funny non-brainer, right. you know, yeah, thing, yeah, and yeah. it makes me happy because it's Thursday and I'm feeling sad and I want to hug, so I want to watch something funny. Right. This is my French cinema side, and this is you know when yeah. I watch The Godfather, or this is I'm willing to listen to three and a half hours of dialogue. <laughs> Ooh, I just want to see stuff blow up. Right. Right. I want to see the Hulk take a car. Yes. Throw it at a dragon, and that's what that's, that's I'm watching. And and you can classify it and you hold can, each yeah, of them around. in their own esteem and to their own you know uh, levels of comparison. So so to that end, I guess the the big question is like, how do we move people towards looking at music that way? I mean, I think you just say it enough times. You know, I I, I think that, that yeah, I, I don't know that. Well, here's how I would start. I would start by recognizing the validity of styles of music uh, and certain artists that may not be outside of may, may not be inside of your own personal relationship with music, right. but recognizing that there's quality there. Recognizing that mm-hmm. I don't know, Miley Cyrus may not be for you, yeah. but a pop song of that level is hard to <laughs> yeah, it's put impossible. together. Yeah. We, we've talked a lot it, it, about that. It takes teams yeah. of people and thoughts to comb over and and just and it is equally as difficult as making an Alice Coltrane record. Yeah. It's just a different kind of purpose. It's a different, different kind of thing. It's a different target you're trying right. to hit. There, right, right, right. There's a guy uh, I've talked a lot about this exact thing with uh, Aaron Abernathy here in mm-hmm. town. Uh, he, he's the uh, musical director for Black Milk mm-hmm. out of Detroit. And, mm-hmm. and we were having a discussion like off mic about Lemonade. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, to my mind, uh, that just uh, not being a huge Beyonce fan, mm-hmm. but a, a fan of the skillet, mm-hmm. rock me. He goes, "Yeah, it's just not my thing." I get it though. Well, I'll <laughs> like, tell you something that that, and I'll tell you why I think of it this way. Yeah. It's because I used to take lessons with uh, Al McKibben, who's okay. the bass player on Miles Davis's Birth of Cool. Yeah. All right. The first day I meet Al McKibben, he calls me up on the phone because he saw me win a competition and I was getting my award. And whatever he saw me play, he was like, "This, let me give this kid a lesson." So he calls me up. He says, "Hey, man, come by the house. Come by the house." Al McKibben has, has is known for, or was known for having one of the better upright basses that has ever existed, mm-hmm. with the most beautiful tone. And all. so he says, "Yeah, man, pick up the bass." I pick it up. He's like, um, "He's like, play me something." Said, all right. So I 
start playing my licks. I run through all the <laughs> things I've practiced, all my little... He's yeah. like, cool, yeah, man. Play me something. <laughs> all right. So I played my licks faster and louder and higher. And he's like, yeah, yeah, man, play me something. <laughs> I was like, what the hell is going on, man? So he's like, can you use the bow? And I was like, sure, of course. I picked up and I played like an Eccles etude. Yeah. And he was like, cool, I just wanted to make sure you knew how to play something. And he followed that up by saying, you're not allowed to admonish any piece of music or style of music unless you can play it yourself. So you can't go, country music's not my thing. Can you play country music? Do you know the tenets of country music? Do you understand the difference between a country bass line? Do you understand how to support a country vocalist? Uh, Oh, I'm not really into trap. Do you understand how trap beats are programmed? Do you understand why the hi-hat pattern is that way or where it came I, from? I did that exact thing when the future albums came out. Yeah. Trap, <laughs> trap is not for me. Yeah. But uh, our friend Marcus, who was actually on the podcast, I think, uh, he, he has written about trap for years. Mm-hmm. And uh, for places like Complex and Rolling Stone and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I literally had him sit down and explain it to me. Mm-hmm. It was like 20 questions about 20 future. 20 questions about trap. Yeah. Some of them were serious. Some of yeah. them weren't. But it was because I needed to orient it because even though I do know a lot about music, this is just something that yeah. it, it didn't plug in. Yeah. And I'm still not going to listen to the fucking Future album. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, well, you know, I, I, I do the same thing. When I hear a style yeah. of music that, that initially I go, mm, I don't understand it, but all these people like it, I will clear a day in my calendar yeah. and get my hands on as much of it as possible. Yep. And I'll look it up and look up the history, see how it came to be, and go, what, who, what is this music for? Mm-hmm. It exists for a reason. Well, we spend so much time worrying about, like, so people who are, like, elite athletes, mm-hmm. right, push themselves to do something different or try mm-hmm. something new because they know they're going to get results out of it. Mm-hmm. We're fretting now about what it means to be in, like, a political media environment where you only read things that confirm mm-hmm. the biases you already had going sure. into that thing. Mm-hmm. But we don't spend any time thinking about, like, uh, the media that you consume for pleasure right. and the extent to which you should challenge yourself based on it. I, I remember um, this poet uh, that I used to really like, Caden Carruth, used to say that you should spend a week every year listening to Chinese classical music hmm. just to completely reorient your sense of, right. like, of melody, of timing, and, and, then you, and then you come back to everything and, it's, and you're, you're a changed person. Well, I, I've, I've been saying recently that I think we live in a time in which uh, maybe for the first time... Uh, people are deciding because music is always on, right? Yeah. It's on every YouTube ad. It's on the the, the what's being piped into yeah. every restaurant you go. And it's always it's yeah. it is electricity. Yeah. The lights are on. Music is on. And I think people are beginning to curate the type of music that they have a relationship with, while having feelings for music that kind of passes them by like traffic. Yeah, and. I say it's kind of for the first time because I think the way it used to be is that, you know, there because you had to buy music, you had the radio, yeah, sure, mm-hmm. that was mm-hmm. kind of it, but you, it was really who you went to go see live. And that mm-hmm. was kind of how you curated your musical, who you supported. We're sort of And, in the, and we're, now uh, we're kind of back there, yeah, we're in plus, the ba- plus. We're in the basement of a, of a place in D.C. It's one of the only, I think it's the only yeah. restaurant in the D.C. city limits. Right, like, and and this is uh, Red Onion. Red so Onion. There, sorry, yeah. sorry, Red right. Onion. Yeah, um, but uh, you know where you have to, like I said, you have to make a choice. Right, and when you have it, it's ubiquitous. But also with streaming, like, do you think like that's a good or bad thing? Like, do, 
you think it expands people's vocabulary or, or it just blows <clears throat> them out to where they can't make any decisions whatsoever? Uh, I think streaming is, is growing uh, as far yeah. as our relationship. It's an evolving relationship mm-hmm. with human beings. Uh, we're, I think still, some, we're still feeding those algorithms. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I think there's, you know, there's a there's a business side to streaming, and then yeah. just how it affects people's uh, taking in of music. What I do think is great is that you can test drive a lot of stuff really fast. Yeah, um, yep. I think that if you if you devote a chunk of your music intake to a type of streaming service, it's it is an interesting way to hear new music that you would have never even thought to type in the words yeah. to find because yeah, yeah. algorithms are putting like artists together the best they can uh, and to that extent I think that a lot of people find I know a lot of people have found my music by being interested in a genre another artist or and so in that yeah. way I, I like the way it ties everybody together and, and I actually think there's some there's some financial benefits to it as well even yeah. though you know it's it's really easy to look at the fraction of penny but it's kind of right. like remember in, in high school someone would ask you like I can either give you a million dollars right now, <laughs> or I can give you one penny every yeah. day yeah, 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 for yeah. the rest of your life, and it doubles every. You know, some weird yeah, thing, yeah, and yeah. you're like, "Just give me the million dollars, let me get out of here." Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I think streaming is money while you sleep more than any other monetization of music has ever been, mm-hmm. and it's more constant, and it's always on, and it's on worldwide, and so it is like that slot machine in vegas that's just rolling yeah. pennies all day long yeah. and so you get you these know. you get these weird like um uh what i what i would almost call like an artifact or something so i think about like corporate playlists that mm-hmm. you would hear like in a store mm-hmm. or whatever right and that's decided somewhere yeah thousands sure. of miles away mm-hmm. right and then the same music gets sort of piped out to all these stores mm-hmm. and i just i love this moment of like when i'll when i'll be in like the big lots in my neighborhood here yeah. near Kevin here right. in Ward 5 in D.C. Oh, yeah. And they've got like Florida Georgia Line on the playlist. <laughs> right. and I'm looking around at the people in the store and I'm thinking, this is not, this is not the Florida Georgia Line demo. Yeah, you, you know, know had, this... Thundercats had some good, some good uh, uh, glitches in the yeah. Matrix. Yeah. 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 It's not even, it's just like, yeah, you'll be somewhere and you'll hear that song come on and you go, oh, well, you, hey. You, you know why? The metadata has Michael McDonald. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. And that, yeah. Has, that, that spits it yeah, right that'll into help, it. Yeah. That'll yeah. help out a lot. Absolutely. Um, but uh, so uh, in, in that regard, back to sort of what we're talking about, like um, I guess the meaning of music mm-hmm. and meaning and stuff. Uprising, mm-hmm. like this album came out of, you were you put together the West Coast Get Down mm-hmm. with uh, a bunch of your friends, Kamashi Washington being mm-hmm. one. Cameron Graves being one, which... Yeah. I wish we had time to talk to him, yeah. but I, I heard his album. And I was like, "Holy fuck, dude!" Cameron's a beast. He is a beast. Yeah. Um, but um, and and you know, you had this sort of career in the background. Mm-hmm. What made you decide that you needed to make a statement of well, your own? I, you know, uh, it's actually more so that I believe that if you are going to. If you're going to have a successful career, you have to diversify your passions and make sure that you can be a viable contributor to the artistic realm, no matter what's going on in on the business side of music. And to clarify that, I mean that if you live and die by the make an album tour an album make an album tour an album a lot of people have had a lot of success the music industry has you know it's been built, on that. been, yeah. is built yeah. on that however as the music industry changes you know if all of a sudden all the festivals next year decide that they're only booking 
DJs that have violin players and like that's the hot thing, yeah. then touring dries up. Yeah. And you've now you have no no outlet. And so when I would discuss this sort of idea with my manager, we said, Why don't we take a couple of years and really invest in the film and T V side, mm-hmm. yourself as a composer, doing you know, writing ballets and like getting the high art part of you up and running, making an album, touring an album as well, so that you always had some place to go no matter what the landscape was. Yeah. And so i I had made a number of albums before this. But every time I made an album, I'd get a phone call from Chris Cornell or Jonathan yeah. Davis or, you know, whomever, Lauren Hill, mm-hmm. to go tour. Yeah. And so I never could push my record. Right, right. And this was the first time that, you know, because in December of uh, 2012, we all decided to invest in ourselves. And we went into a studio and recorded 170 songs in 30 days. <laughs> Yeah. And so we've we've speculated a lot on the podcast about <laughs> about what's in the can and when we're going to get to hear the rest there's of a it. lot. You know, I Damn. made I have yeah. three, you know, albums worth of stuff and sort of Damn. started and and I don't know that it, n- the way I'm going to choose to do it is to just release those things because I think as you grow as an artist, you yeah. you want to but uh, it was more important that I record every I recorded everything that was on deck so that I could see what the theme was yeah. of this. Yeah, see if something sure. existed right. that I thought applied to society. And when I saw the songs yeah. kind of sitting there, because, you know, twice as many songs didn't make that this record. Yeah. But it was because I saw that there was this collection of songs that dealt with common human emotions. Yeah. And that you could make a record that served the purpose of allowing people some sort of lyrical companionship. And yeah. to have complicated, messy thoughts sort of either laid out for them or just knowing that someone else has the same problems as you do or addressing them in some fashion, mm-hmm. I think contributes to society in a really important way. It, it, yeah, it's cool that you said because I was, I was listening to the album today. Mm-hmm. And you had no way necessarily of knowing when you were making this the times that we were going to be in. Sure. Yeah. But this is, I mean, you're here in D.C. and this yeah, is, right. This is, uh, uh, this is a clusterfuck. This is like a, <laughs> this is an, an emotional clusterfuck. I mean, people here, I mean, he can vouch, like a lot of us, including you, I think, yeah. Yeah. have been, uh, it was like a bomb went off. Yeah. You can't talk, you can't enjoy stuff. And slowly, uh, you're, the, you're only the third interview we've done this year because of that. Wow. Because... I, I want to talk to somebody. I can't trust anybody. Right. Right. Um, but in listening to your album today, I got something from it that I didn't get before, which is exactly that. Right. That there was just somebody out there. And it was, and I, you know, we talked a lot. Uh, I don't remember if it was on mic or off mic of like, well, how, how do you think you can market this stuff? You know, right. this is, uh, and I was like, it doesn't matter because it, it's there and you hear this stuff and you're like, oh, okay. Right gonna be okay for five minutes here <laughs> yeah exactly and uh so thank you for that by the oh, way yeah, and, absolutely and um but you know do you think that that's i guess the ultimate purpose of music or your music at least is spreading that kind of message because your album goes back and forth from celebrating the actual raw talent and celebrating times of music and stuff mm-hmm. But then it gets into there's almost uh, points on it like it's like a feminine viewpoint. 
Sure. Which is wild because yeah. you know you're just like you hear a song like Young Lion and that's right. like super masculine. Yeah. But then there's stuff that you would hear like in the seventies or the sixties, it's clearly a woman and it's and it's mm-hmm. a woman because that's comforting. It's like right. your mom or right. it's like yeah. your grandmother or something yeah, like totally. that. It's but it's coming from you. Advice, you know, like <laughs> yeah. wi- like wives' tales or something. Yeah, I think that what you're what you're relating to or maybe picking up on is um, sort of tenets and broad stroke generalities that I've found in my favorite music, ways to discuss things that are that are timeless because they're human problems, right? Yeah. And it's not; it doesn't need; to, it doesn't matter when you say them. You know, you stub your toe; it hurts. I don't care what year it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, and and when you you get into an argument with with a woman or you feel betrayed by a friend, there are it's it's it, what it really boils down to is the same thing that writers look at and they go, okay, so there's what twelve stories we we can tell. Yeah. Yeah. Boy meets girl, working your finding home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, love and loss. Like it's there's yeah. not. They're, they're almost always Ulysses. So 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 I enjoy writing from that standpoint because because it becomes conversational. Yeah, and I my favorite records have lyricists that are are having a conversation. You know, Joni Mitchell, yeah, Dylan, yeah. Leonard Cohen, yeah, Otis Redding, Otis Redding. Yeah, you know, they're just sitting you down and going. How's it, how, how's it going? Well, how's everything feel? The, you know? the like effect it has on the listener, I think, is it just like every time I hear it, I just get reminded that like I have so many other thoughts and emotions that go beyond like whatever I'm dealing with on that particular day. Right. right? Like whatever I'm dealing with on that day comes from somewhere much deeper. Right. And in a weird way, like um, and I think I made this point when we talked about it, like I sort of went to the dancing in the streets example of like mm-hmm. this to me, this album is so personal and so political, but in a way that's not topical. Sure. Right. And so and so it makes me want to get up and go do shit and right. like and, and make the world a better place in some yeah. way that that was there before all right. the stuff that makes me. Well, angry, and, and also uh, one of the approaches that I, I like about this record and, and I've had some distance on it now, so I can kind of listen to it and appreciate it differently than if I had just put it out. Mm-hmm. But I like that there are um, the music is trying to. To make you feel, make your body feel something and feel good, and the words are just trying to get close to you. And everything is so. Tony did a great job. Tony Austin is the drummer for the West Coast Get Down. He's mm-hmm. also our Danger Mouse. He's like our engineer and <laughs> yeah. producer, and he produced Uprising. And like we chose to make everything really demonstrative and close, and no reverb and no, just like it is what it sounds like yeah. with great mics in a great room with great players. And if you want more vocals, hire more vocalists. You know, like if you want a bigger string section, hire more strings. Yeah. And so when it's something sounds so intimate, because I had just heard the Solomon Burke record, Don't Give Up mm-hmm. On Me. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I was like, that's one of my <laughs> Desert Island records. Right. Okay. And that production value, I felt, would best represent these songs so that they could be large, but they could feel sort of intimate. And... I I have I have really broad um, ideas that provide a comfortable place for me to kind of park my concerns and and one of them and the one I try to remind myself when I think when I'm having the thoughts you just explained is that in fact everything is actually okay 
Yeah. Yeah. Like right now. That's hard to get to, but it's <laughs> happening. The yeah. only thing that is that you can for sure know, know that is happening is that the three of us are sitting right here right. in this basement having a wonderful conversation about the topic we love, which is music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Our brains would like us to think that we're going to pack all this stuff up, take it upstairs, maybe go grab a beat, uh, bite to eat, mm-hmm. come back, see a show. It's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Go home. You can, your brain can project. It's what yeah. it's for. It's yeah. why you can get out of the shower. Yeah. And, and <laughs> in fact, it's, it's your ego. It's the, it's the good yeah. use of your ego, yeah. which is yeah. kind of where Young Lion comes from, is that yeah. your ego says, I can get it in a car that weighs four tons and barrel it down the road at 80 miles an hour and nothing's going to happen. <laughs> Not only is nothing going to happen, but I can, t- I can guarantee right. we're going right. to get to McDonald's and back. Easy because if there right. wasn't someone there telling you like you would know you, you would, would never, you would never leave the house you'd be petrified right and yeah. so that's the good use of ego is that it, it tells you yeah. hey bro you got this get up yep. go yeah. get them and that's what young young line is it's just a cup of coffee it doesn't matter if anything of course there's been stuff yeah. funky since seventy three that's not the point <laughs> to step on a stage yeah. and play it at all. Yeah. Really? So you're going to play a Bootsy Collins bass line right yeah. now. <laughs> right, right, right. All right. Well, if you don't have something that says, you damn right I am, you're not going to be able to pull it yeah. off. So what I'm saying is that if you put that ability in the wrong place, yeah. right. you'll freeze yourself. Right. Because the only thing that's happening is that we're sitting here recording right. a podcast. Right. Everything is, are you fine? You're fine. You're not yeah. sick. No? You look well. Yeah. You look yeah. well. Yeah. yeah, I'm doing okay. Good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you can breathe. There's air. If you're hungry, you can you you feel like you have the capacity to get it. Everything is actually in fact fine. Yeah. So let's just deal with one moment at a time. Right. And I think you can pull yourself back from the your brain kind of running off in a thousand different directions because it's good at that and you need yeah. to be good yeah. at that. Right. Right. But. It, you know, it's, it's not real. It's funny. I'm actually reading a book on uh, biocentrism, and I mm. forget the I forget the guy's name. And it, and it is like that. Not I, I will stop reading it now because you more eloquently explain <laughs> that. <laughs> um, because and it is that idea that like why worry about stuff because like the universe actually is sort of revolving around you. Mm-hmm. And sure. in these moments that you're in, uh, it's it's sort of bunk. Yeah. But but what you said is is the valid version of that. Right. Well, and in, in, in you know going back to since we're in DC, mm-hmm. what I think that that word is 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 presence yeah and i told the story when i did the album release concert and i'll I'll do the short version but when i was uh practicing for the album release concert there's gonna be 21 people on stage and you know a sold out show at the el rey which is a big theater in los angeles and i really wanted it to be good so i was practicing the bass because i don't know i didn't feel like i knew (laughs) what i was doing or something yeah 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 and i went to go put the bass down and i wasn't paying attention and I put it in the corner and I turned to go do something and it slipped and it fell and the neck snapped off of it. This is the day before, day before the biggest day. Yeah. show of right. my career to date that, with my name on it. So I call the guy who made my bass and these are, these are formidable instruments. Like you can chuck a beer at them. You can, mm-hmm. I thought, drop them too. <laughs> but so I go to the to the luthier, Jason Burns, the guy who made the bass. I'm holding it like a dead soldier or some <laughs> Greek goddess, and I'm going, Burns, I need my bass fixed. And he looked at it, and he was like, well, I don't think I can fix it. And in that moment, when I'm looking at something that I've been so hard on and has been so hard on me, 
Base ruins your hands, you know. It's always taking and taking more, and you're always giving and giving more. And, but I never thought I could break it. I realized when he said he couldn't fix it and that it was broken that that's how I felt about my country and that I wasn't paying attention. And I broke it. Wow. And I never thought that you could. Yeah. Right. You know? And so he said, well, here's the deal, man. I know this other cat. <laughs> He's up the road. I think he might have an idea how to fix it. So he calls the guy. He goes, yo, Mo- Mo- Momo. Miles pulled a, 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 a rookie move, snapped the neck <laughs> off his base. <laughs> Come help me look at it. So the dude comes over, and these two amazing luthiers are, like, staring at this base and going, like, well, we could drill it we could glue it we could sand this down and put this piece in here and put a plate right here and and they it didn't one person didn't have to have the answer and one person wasn't necessarily the leader no one person was in charge i was just making sure everybody had beer vodka and like (laughs) yeah and was being the cheerleader in the background that was me helping (laughs) yeah i don't know anything about making a base let alone fixing it but my job was to encourage them to keep trying to find (laughs) a solution and they began to just share ideas and in fact fixed the base yeah oh my god and i played it that night on that stage in front of that audience and i was and so what i took away from that is we all feel like we don't know what to do yeah and the answer is you you don't have to know what to do you just need to agree to share ideas with a community of people that you think can do something yep and somehow we'll arrive somewhere that is better and not broken it's not gonna be perfect because you broke it yeah don't forget that you broke (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) i I would have been so tempted if i were in your shoes to just go into like a spiral of like (laughs) self-hate and be like why do i always sabotage myself (laughs) like i'm the michael jordan of self-sabotage yeah right (laughs) exactly (laughs) yeah yeah, no, I mean, I, 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 felt, I felt pretty, pretty lame there for, for a while, but you know, the, to, to t- what I did was take action. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. time to drive to Orange County. That's an hour and a half away with no traffic in Los Angeles, so that's a three-hour drive <laughs> both ways. And I got to call my boys and call my friends and call people that I think have good thoughts and bright ideas and yeah, say, yeah, yeah. I need bright ideas, I need help. Yeah. And I think the more we can do that, be it in the music that we create, share ideas, if that's what you're up to. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Because strippers in the strip club need music, too. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, like, cause, right. and, and we, a lot of people you guys also playing, need the strip club. We've you, know? you guys are playing the Playboy Jazz Festival. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we're doing that. That's going to be yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. So whatever you think you can contribute to, yeah. just go in and, and make sure that it's something that, that makes a mark. You know, it comes from a place of honesty. I don't care what music you make as long as you believe in it yeah, yeah. You know? so it's, it's only when i smell that you're a fraud right yeah, that right. i go you don't like this which, music which i mean all of us sit around this table we know that smell i can't describe yeah. it but yeah you know it. you can yeah. tell you, you go know, oh, this like, is yeah. a money grab uh, this is not you yep. you're just going yep. for it because well for whatever your reasons are and it lacks an authenticity and i don't think it connects either yeah i don't know a lot of winners that are frauds that you go, wow, yeah. that guy's on top, and he's a, a mu- musically, musically, musically. Yeah, we there's can, a, you there's know, a, there's a whole conversation about imposter syndrome that we could like just oh, yeah, sort yeah, of yeah, like yeah. go, but yeah. Yeah. yeah, but you do have a show uh, to to play. I uh, uh, lasting to that point, 
Um, we are next week. Uh, this interview won't go out next week because the entire week is dedicated to the Grateful Dead. Oh, awesome! And yeah, and because uh, and and actually, it's Eduardo's dream that you come over and like talk about the movie with us. But, oh wow! <laughs> but uh, we didn't get uh, the advance. But um, well, I would talk to you guys anytime. So I don't know if yeah. we can do this on phoners or whatever. But this yeah. is a great podcast, and I, I, I love sharing ideas with you. So Thanks, I appreciate sorry. you. Um, with. The Grateful Dead, what I realized was exactly what you've been saying, what we've been talking about, which is sort of what I wanted to talk about with our whole conversation, is that it, it broke. Mm. And you see people come back over the years over and over and over and over and over to The Grateful Dead, and nobody can really tell why. And now they're starting to really mm. tell why. And I think when this movie comes out, people are going to really dig in and know why. And I said, because that's what made them up is what makes up part of America. Mm-hmm. It largely excludes like the black experience. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, they're covering soul artists mm-hmm. that a lot of people never would have heard. Mm-hmm. But the reason it persists is because that Amer- that means America is still there, right? And so it gives right. it gives you hope and makes it okay. I mean, I I have that's my, a great purpose. It's my job to listen to a ton of music, right? And a lot of it just goes in and out. Yeah. And it's just but I've uh, for the past month just had these. Uh, Barton Hall shows and, and the, nice. was it Get You on the Light yeah. on repeat mm-hmm. at least yeah. once a day that's wow. three hours of just like okay it's a meditation yeah the very yeah. first uh, radio interview I ever did was in Los Angeles uh, on, a, on a, a television on a radio show that is devoted to live bootlegs of oh, wow. dead shows uh, that's amazing. And right it's in the funny because I'm trying yeah. to talk him and our other friend into doing a podcast of just yeah. that yeah it's interesting <laughs> He's so. he's a really really quirky guy. He, he was actually my English teacher in high school. Oh my god! <laughs> of course he was. Yeah. Of course, of course he, he was. was. Yeah. <laughs> very you small. Hop, and you hop on the dead tour and you become an English teacher. Exactly. That's, just, that's what happens. Exactly. Uh, yeah. well, well, Miles, thank you very much. Hey, thanks, and fellas. I can't wait to see the show tonight. This is yeah. You guys played a show at the Howard Theater. Yeah. Um, which was a bad day. Another bad day. Hmm. It was the uh, shooting and run up. Oh. And everybody, I I grew up down there, so wow. we knew it. And. Uh, I'll send you the link. Our mm-hmm. friend Paul, he doesn't write too much for the site. Mm-hmm. He wrote a beautiful review of that show, sp- highlighting oh. a lot of what you were doing because it healed. Awesome. And it, and that's yeah. the point. So, yeah, that yeah. is the point. I mean, that's what I'll be doing tonight for sure. Yeah. Uh, Thanks, I'll man. be casting out those healing vibes and just getting us all to connect to one another. Yeah. That's Cannot all that wait. It's going to be amazing. All right. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks man. Miles Mosley, everybody. That is, uh, I hope you guys had as much fun listening to that as we had doing the interview, sitting down with them up there at Songbird. It was, uh, like I said, it was, it was, it was sort of a, a sort of real tight getting it done, but I'm so glad we did. Not, not just because we love his music, but, you know, there are people that seem a little more in touch with the universe, maybe. You know, I think everybody can get in touch with the universe, but there are people. You know, I'm thinking of people like maybe Phil Cook, uh, who, who you, you you sit down and talk with, and you're just like, yeah, man, I get it, I get it all now. And Miles is one of those people, uh, super generous with his time, and and I cannot uh, thank him and the band enough for the set that they played afterwards. Because man, 
It's fucking amazing. And part of the reason it was amazing is what I'm going to talk to you about right now. Um, you know, the band is West Coast Get Down. Playing keyboards in that band is Cameron Graves. Now, uh, th- all these guys sort of have a similar upbringing, and uh, hopefully we're, we're going to get to sit down with Cameron at some point and talk to him sort of in-depth about this. But the point is, they all got into jazz, and then they all sort of found each other, and they're all like, shit, we should do jazz. Now, the the Avengers of this of this whole little super group uh, was Kamasi Washington's The Epic. Uh, and and that pulled all these guys in, and and they delivered. If you haven't heard it, go back. It's one of the, it's one of the greatest jazz albums of all time. Uh, that's not hyperbole. Um, but now what you're seeing is along with Miles, you got like people like Cameron Graves, Thundercat is out there too, um, doing these solo things, doing their little solo movies. Um, and 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 this one, if I had to make the comparison, it would be like Guardians of the Galaxy. He's a little more cosmic, dude. And in the middle, in fact, in the middle of the set, uh, Miles was like old school. You know, you give other musicians a, a break, like a two minute break, and they they go off in solo, and you just go do it in the round, and people react to it and stuff. Well, Cameron got his chance, and then all of a sudden, it was like the universe opened up, and it's, I've never seen anything before, and you watch the people on stage, and they were blown away, and they've been playing with him for like 10, 15 years, maybe longer. Uh, the, what I'm trying to say is is this is badass number two, certified badass number two. Uh, the guy, he, he, he is playing jazz, but man, if he doesn't, if you don't think of like metal and just cosmic out there awesome shit uh you, you're doing it wrong get your ears checked uh but i can't really do it justice so i'm just gonna play a track for you and let you know what all about this is this is off of his new album uh planetary prince and uh the name of this track is satania in our solar system
Satania in our solar system from Cameron Graves. I told you that was badass. And it, oh my god, is uh, the album is so. It, if if you want to spend an all incredible afternoon, or fuck it, let's just make it a day. Start off, um, and and the epic will be sort of your wind down. But start off with Miles Mosley, and then you're gonna put on uh, Cameron Graves thing, and then maybe Thundercats album, and then get to the epic. And there's a few more that you can throw in there too, but but you can you can work it up to a good like seven or eight hours of of just this whole crew kicking ass, and uh, and it's remarkable, and it's something I don't think we've seen for a lot of years, and it's amazing that it's happening now, and uh, and I can't wait to see what these guys do next. Uh, so thanks to Cameron for for kicking ass, and uh, once again thanks to Miles and his crew. Hopefully. Uh, we will be seeing them again, and you'll be hearing them again uh, next time. Maybe a little bit less formal. Maybe we'll, like review a Prince album or something. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, that is our podcast for this Thursday, and finishing out your podcast for this week. If you liked what you heard, you can subscribe to us in iTunes. You can leave us a rating or a message there. We're available on Google Play, Stitcher, Mixcloud. Uh, always on the site www.chunkyglasses.com. You can watch there for updates to our podcast, but also uh, you can see all the live coverage we're out doing. We actually didn't cover this show, but generally Matt Condon and Mauricio Castro are out around D.C. just about every single night covering uh, almost every show that comes to town. It's kind of insane. Uh, you know, you can find out about that and more on our Twitter at, at Chunky Glasses. Uh, but if you go on Instagram, that's mainly the live stuff. Mauricio runs that now. And so that's just same thing at Chunky Glasses. And, uh, and you can see all these sort of the kick-ass photos that those guys are taking. And um, if you may be thinking to yourself, hey, I think I might like to really give that whole podcasting action thing a try. Here, there's a lot of heat over there. Uh, here's the first thing about podcasts. I hate to disappoint you. There's no action here. None. In podcast, period. Uh, the point is that you get to do cool shit and nobody can sort of guide you or tell you exactly how to do it you get to discover it by yourself on your own like this is this is how we did we we started this off uh getting drunk in in andre's basement and uh, yelling at each other about albums and and now you just listen to us sitting now with uh, one of uh modern jazz's greatest players so you know y- you can get that but that doesn't make you uh, necessarily rich or famous or anything and and who would want that anyways the work that counts, right, guys? Uh, but but if you if you think that this is your thing, uh, hit me up at Kevin at ChunkyGlasses.com. And, and if you're in the D.C. area, uh, we set up mics usually once or twice a week, and we sit down and talk about stuff, and we're always looking for good opinions. Never consensus. Do not care about consensus. What we care about is what you think, what you feel. And, uh, and it's a place for, for civilized conversation about a civilized art that is music. Um... And uh, coming up in the next few weeks, see, we got an interview coming up with Sean Barna. His album is Pictures of an Exhibitionist is coming out pretty quick here. And uh, on Monday, we're going to be talking about Jason Isbell's new album, The Nashville Sound. That's going to be kind of, kind of great. Uh, he's, I didn't really love the last one, but it seems to be back on track. A little spoiler. And then on Thursday, uh, we're going to tell you all about a little band from uh, Boston called Elder. You heard Paul and I talk about this a long time before. A lot of people talked about it on their last album more uh, because it kicked ass. And uh, and their new album, 
Uh, well, it's, it's called Reflections of a Floating World, guys. How can that not kick ass? So we're going to be talking about that. And maybe we're going to be playing a few groovy tracks as well. So you got all that to look forward to. And now almost 300 episodes to catch up on if you're just joining us. Uh, so if you are, thank you for tuning in. Uh, but we are now out of here. So we'll be back in a few short days. Until then, be good to your ears, but be better to your people. We'll talk to you soon. Oh, <laughs> 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 Kenobi!